Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Insane in the Membrane. Welcome to Insane in the Membrane. This week I'm joined by the brilliant Alexander Bennett. Hello. Hello, Rich Wilson. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? You all right? Well, if everything all right? I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm currently up to my neck in uh, Edinburgh Fringe admin. So you and a million others, man. Yeah. yeah. So I am uh, overworked, underpaid, skin, <laughs> skin, skin and skin. Isn't it, isn't it funny how us comedians, we Edinburgh, we lose money doing it, but every year we go, all right, fuck it, I'm going to do it again. And somehow we managed to find the money. I don't know how, but we seem well, to I, pluck it out of nowhere. Well, I can find I can find the money this year because I've not done it for four years, Excellent. Um, uh, which is wild to me because you know, my last full run was 2019 pre-pandemic, mm. uh, and then I did just a couple of dates in that beautiful 2021 fringe where there were about four shows and every so room was good. full, oh. and it was. It was if you if you didn't do that if you're a comedian and you didn't do that Edinburgh you lost out and you'll never have that again because never that, ever it was so so beautiful it was um, wonderful wasn't it no it was just I was up there for a week just got to see everybody after it we'd been locked down as well so it was lovely and just I did, I did make two work in progress shows at the Monkey Barrel mm. and it was literally reading off notes and uh, filled the room like excellent for the two because people were just up for comedy and I was there in front of an audience where I was like I feel because I've got a full room in front of me you know and I've not been performing that much because of the pandemic I really kind of want to you know do give this room the beans but mm. I thought no you've you've booked an hour of new stuff commit to an hour of new stuff <laughs> and on the way out I could hear the audience and the audience were going yeah I like that bit and um, I can see where he's going to take that bit and I like the sort of clever thing he did at the end I was like oh so it's the comedy savvy people who have come to see yeah. us in this kind of <laughs> rebuilding state it was so yeah. so gorgeous um, I think it was I think it was it was just nice I don't think we, it wasn't until we were locked down that we really appreciated what we actually do for a living like and not just a comedy just we lost our whole universe where this bunch of misfits from different places it, we sort of come together and a and I and are sort of connected with that sort of silent understanding that yeah you're a bit weird <laughs> yeah do you know what I mean and that's why when we, we we lost that and we were a bit like oh fuck now what I've got a, oh god oh mm, yeah I've just got I've just got to do me on my own for a bit and one of yeah. the pleasures of 
one of the pleasures of being a comedian and one of the pleasures of doing Edinburgh Fringe as part of that is getting to interact with so many different people from so many different like yeah. walks of life um, because there's so many different kinds of people on the circuit and and in Edinburgh you know I know wrestlers because I did the Edinburgh Fringe yeah you, you know I know like magicians <laughs> and stuff it's crazy isn't it I know yeah if I'd have stayed doing what I was doing I wouldn't yeah I wouldn't have travelled the world I wouldn't have met as you've just said wrestlers jugglers um, all manner of folks uh, yeah. poets and yeah authors absolute, absolute it's, scumbags it's scumbags <laughs> And I realise I'm not as scummy as I thought I was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's all it's all thanks to comedy. And that's yeah, I I, I think that's one of the good things that I took out of the pandemic, out of the lockdowns, mm. was that was I now have yeah. a newfound appreciation for everything that we have. But as 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 I say, I've 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 so I've not done a full run since two thousand nineteen, and uh, this year is my first year because I've been doing the free fringe for years, and it's been great as a you know a learning ground and being creative and learning how the fringe works but I'd never done a paid show in a paid venue because despite this accent and the way I speak I could never afford it um, <laughs> and this is this is the first time that I can afford to do paid and PR and all that kind of thing so I'm, I'm doing that yeah, go for it yeah I think and that, and it, for people for people listening <clears throat> that I've heard of the Edinburgh Festival but, that, but I haven't actually sort of been up there um, it's 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 an arts it's a mass it's the biggest arts festival in in Europe and we all pile up there hoping that our show will get a little bit of success or whatever and, and then we forget that there's a million other shows that are up there hoping for the same thing and we're all hoping to get noticed and whatever else and it costs a fortune and yeah. we don't make any money even if we make even if we <laughs> make money doing the gig we lose money because the accommodation is. Yeah, exorbitant. That costs a few grand, and being up there, and yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot of money, and a lot. It's a lot. It takes a lot out of you mentally. I know the last one last year. This is why I'm not going up this year because it last year really fucked me up. Yeah, just, just the kind of pressure of mm. the kind of usual Edinburgh pressure, or, or was yeah, it just which the is kind just, of exhaustion thing. It's just that because you're because it's you know it's forever. You're going on every day. And you're up there, and every day you're worrying about ticket sales, and you're worrying about hopefully the show's going to be good because you're doing the show every day. You're going to have like you'll have a, you'll have few you'll have good ones, and then it's going to be the one where it, you die. It's like you have a yeah. whole comedy career in three and a half weeks, and yeah. it's brutal, <laughs> you know. And last year we had other things to deal with, like people haven't got enough money now, so there weren't as many people coming out. And then we had the train strikes, then we had the 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 dustman strikes and we had everything going on and yeah it was it took a lot it took a lot last year and i just it, went, I can't, it is I can't do it. it is like a whole career in a month you get that initial mm. sort of you know your, your your previews at the beginning of the festival that's open spot season in the comedian's life that's you getting on your feet and then yeah. there's that initial week of real optimism and that's the sort of start <laughs> of a comedian's career that's and it. then there's the middle part which is oh i haven't got what i wanted and other people have got what they want and i feel tired and then there's the end of the comedian's career Career, which is just can we get this over and done with now because I'm really finished with this <laughs> yeah I'm just done and then yeah you're on the train coming back and it wasn't until afterwards that I got the numbers back and I was like oh okay it wasn't as bad as I thought mm. I just thought I kept turning up to an empty room every day but 
actually on the whole it actually worked out all right but i just didn't want to go through that again and i don't think people don't really know that side of comedy they don't see the bit where we're traveling up and down the motorway we're sleeping in bus stations we're doing overnights on mega buses and and we're and you know <coughs> i should say when i was married before my wife would come in from work and she'd find me sat in the same place she left me in the morning mm. and she's like what you been doing i'm like i've been working where is it i'm like it's in my head and then yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they she'd come to a show she'd go oh i see because i'm like yeah that's what i'm doing it's all it's all in my head with a mm. few notes and notebooks scattered around it's, there's a lot of work goes into what people see people see the 20 minutes the half hour the hour mm. they don't realize it takes hours to get to that point for that, and, to that show and there's a weird balance you know from a kind of you know talking about how this stuff affects you mentally there's a weird balance and I imagine this is true of other creative industries as well where you have to give yourself that sitting on the sofa time to let mm. the ideas come to let the back of your brain kick in yes. to give you the good ideas because I think most comedians will tell you, this is certainly true of me it's probably true of you as well you, you can tell me different most of the best jokes or bits you've ever come up with did not come up when you were sat in a coffee shop really looking at a paper really trying yeah. to write most of the best, not best ever. bits appear because you've given your brain enough time to have the space for something that you're not in control of at the back of your brain going on to kick in and then you go oh that's a perfect idea for a joke those are always the strongest bits and yep. then the workers kind of tie it all together but in comedy and presumably you know if you're a musician this must be true as well you have to balance that with this kind of we are all our own businesses it's yeah. it's it's for people who aren't in the comedy world it's what we are is we're we're a business we we market ourselves and we deliver a product and we have to kind of increase the market value of that product and you have to have <laughs> all of that going on at the same time yeah as trying to give yourself enough kind of mental space to go what's a really interesting and funny thing that i could talk about that also makes yeah. a point about something else or or it's, it's a it's, it's a very constant. weird mixture of disciplines it is and it, like and now it's i mean this has been said on here many times but now it's even more when i started in 2004 which doesn't sound that far away you know but it's in the 2000s so that's fine but coming, you know, coming up on 20 years rich coming up on 20 years next october um <laughs> it's it's yeah you kind of all you had to do was worry about your material all you had to worry about was booking your gigs getting to the next gig yeah. moving up and getting to the, the better paid gigs and now it, there's just so many other things you have to do because a lot of promoters now will go oh you've got this many followers on whatever you've mm. got this much out but you've got you've got an audience oh that's gonna if we book you then that audience will hopefully come to our club so there's this yeah. whole new pressure now that ne was never there before you know and it like you say take it's all these all these different disciplines and then you know someone else sort of comes in and goes what you've been doing all day and you go i couldn't even begin to tell you but it looks like nothing <laughs> yeah and and you you've got to you've got to give yourself the space to do nothing because that's the only kind of yeah the 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 thing about the circuit changing so i um so the the probably the unusual thing about well, it's, it's less unusual these days um, but the sort of more unusual thing about me as a comedian is so I'm I'm 30 
now mm. uh, turned 30 at the end of last year um, but I started gigging when I was 15 wow so so I started in 2008 bloody so, hell yeah I've been going a long time for how old I am and um, I remember the circuit changing as well I remember Michael McIntyre breaking because I was gigging before he broke on mainstream success um, yeah and the circuit has changed a lot in terms of what people's priorities are, how people sort of move through the profession. It's um, it's a very different thing. In some ways, it's a lot better in terms of, you know, the kind of people that you are seeing on stage, um, in terms of, you know, a broader range of people, um, different backgrounds. Uh, but comedy has become a lot more like pop music. It is focused on the thing what's the new thing that we yes. can see if we can make a sec it's it in the in the in the late 90s early 2000s it was comedy's the new rock and roll comedy is pop music now it is pop yeah music. you're right what can we sell what's the thing that we can you know pump out yeah you're absolutely right and there's so many people doing comedy now like you've just said you've probably seen this as well when i started out you sort of knew everybody you know and you'd see each other at gigs and you'd every now and again you'd be away together wherever but now every week I'm meeting somebody new and it's there's yeah. so many people doing it that it's it's difficult to keep up with it all yeah it's, it's an odd one particularly when you see like then this never used to happen uh, but you'll see like you know on, on like Chortle or like a comedy news website you'll see um, you know uh, who's in this new TV show and you look at the TV show and you go well I don't even know who that is <laughs> have, they, have they got booked for that I've never even heard that name before <laughs> there's a lot of people that, you, that are writing behind the scenes as well that suddenly mm. you're like well where the fuck did they come from and now they're you know it's there's it's, yeah there are so many different things going on now you, you, you can't keep up with it all you've just got to just focus on what you're doing hope you know because if you you know you've got to work on your own act and keep it relevant otherwise you'll there's so many people now that they're just going to go. Well, you know, Rich hasn't written a new gear, new bit of gear in years, so we're going to just we might get yeah. into MC, but we're just going to we're going to focus on the people that are changing it all the time. And there's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I didn't get in slight. this for pressure. <laughs> I got into this because someone said you can make some money telling jokes. I was like, yeah, fine. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> yeah, I got into stand up because it was I loved like. Um, uh, like comedy movies and sitcoms mm. like I was I was raised on Ronnie Barker that was my oh amazing because my dad um, uh, yeah my dad just basically sat down and went right we're going to watch Open All Hours and Porridge and that all and I, I still think Porridge is one of the best sitcoms ever made um, absolutely but, without a doubt yeah yeah I, I, I love it so much and I loved him Ronnie Barker so much Um and uh, I wanted to get into that. I wanted to be like a Ronnie Barker actor type. Um, but uh, it's just not accessible where I'm from. I'm from Shrewsbury in the Midlands. Okay. And and um, although there's nowadays there's a lot of money knocking about the town, um, there, there wasn't in my family. So no. what, what stand-up was is it, it, it was a thing that you could ring a guy and go, can I do five? And he'd go, yeah, all right. That's yeah. that's your obstacle between that you was and it. trying to be creative. <laughs> that so was it. Yeah. So where does the accent come from then? Because you sound like you're from money. 
Or is that just my uh, my my uh, um, uncultured ears? <laughs> well, it's, it's so I think it, it's it's a combination of factors. Um, the first factor being is that I'm from a part of the Midlands that doesn't really have a specific accent, right? And there's quite a lot of bits of the Midlands like like that. You wouldn't necessarily know if someone was from Stafford. You wouldn't necessarily know yeah. if someone was from Leicester. Um, so it's a combination of that. But also, when I became obsessed with comedy, all of the people I was obsessed with were Cambridge educated. Right. So I'm watching. I'm watching the Pythons. Um, Ronnie Barker's natural speaking voice was a very posh RP speaking mm. voice. Um, Peter Cook, uh, and you know a lot of the comedians that were sort of coming up, sort of more current acts at the time. Um, and I thought that. The, oh, Rowan Atkinson as well, right? Yeah, um, was a was a huge influence on me. Um, so it's basically you 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 imitate the people that you uh, admire, and you try and you know for 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 some people, you know, growing up that would have been like a music scene. So you dress in you know you dress in a punky way if that's where you if that's what you're mm. into when you grew up. And for me. It was about having a sort of this kind of slightly withering voice, um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's 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 it is at odds with. I don't want to see. There's an issue. There is an issue in comedy with um, uh, middle class people pretending they're working class. I don't mm. want to. I don't want to overplay <clears throat> my hand here. I did not grow up on a council estate, and there was food on the table, but. My dad was a builder, and my mum was a teaching assistant, and neither of them went to university. And you know, it was yeah. it was a, a working class upbringing in quite a nice town. That's yeah. how I put it. Um, yeah. So I I became this basically because it was aspirational. It was the the people that I want to be are like this. So let's be like yeah. this. I actually don't know why I sound the way I do, because my dad. I've said this before. My dad was a civil servant. Mm. And my mum, my, I think my mum's side of the family very working class, um, and but my my dad's side of the family from the you know they're from the West Country, but had kind of hyacinth bouquet kind of levels of, you know, yeah. higher standards. So yes, we lived around a council estate. We're not right on it, and we lived in a house sort of on the edge. So I kind of and so and I, I grew up with geezers, so maybe that's where it comes from, but. I'm not really like that. I'm not. I'm not a big football fan. I'm not someone that I'm not fucking. But whenever someone, I'm always described as a geezer, and I'm like, oh, I'm not really. I'm not a geezer. I just appear to be like someone. Dave Longley said, "You were. You sound like someone that could get, could get me a new pair of trainers or a gun." Yeah. And I, and I just, <laughs> I'm like, all right, fine. I'm not gonna fight it anymore. But I don't. You know. I don't think you're saying like that. I think you sound like someone who used to be able to get me a new pair of trainers or a gun, but <laughs> but, but now runs quite a nice cafe. It's like, <laughs> Been out of the game for a few years. Now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he took the money he made and he and, he, and he went he went straight with it. To be fair to him. Yes, because all my mates either died or banged up, and I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. want that life anymore. I'm out, boys. I don't want that I'm life. Out. I've got I've got kids of my own. They've got a, they've got to have a stable house. 
<laughs> Could open a pie and mash shop in Stepney. She can be having a nice quiet life. I've got the missus. Um, yeah, t- telling all the customers know. about how things used to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I used to know the craze. Yeah, yeah. They used to come and I used to knock around with it. I, my granddad used to, my granddad went to school with the Richardsons. So mm. I remember him, I remember mum telling me stories about that. My nan telling me stories about that, about how they asked him to go and work for him and he went, no, I think you're all cunts. And he just went and joined the Navy in, instead. So, you, yeah, so even that. Do you want to know, a, in there. Do you want to know a story about someone who worked for the Richardsons? Mm-hmm. Who I met. So I went to, um, uh, I went to film school. That's how I got to London. I got into film school. Ah. Um, and, uh, moved down to London and you do like a documentary module where you have to make your own documentary and Mm. the guy on my course found this guy in a bar in Soho where it was it was basically the old criminals bar in Soho all of the patrons had done time uh, and were criminals in one sort of manner or another Um, but the bar had been bought by new owners and they were trying to turn it because it was like kind of a a cool small space with old fashioned decor they were trying to turn it into a sort of hipster joint so there was this weird blend of like 22 year old lads who've grown their first moustache and they're wearing like fake frames oh yes chatting to guys who used to do post offices <laughs> and it was a, it was a weird mix of people and my friend went down there where we found this guy I won't say his name um, but uh, he'd been a, a bank robber in the 70s for the right. Richardsons wow and at the time that he was working for them the Richardsons saw what the Craze were doing because Richardsons was South London Craze were North yeah, London could it. be wrong yeah, Craze cra- were East yeah East, um, they were looking at what the craze were doing, and the craze were kind of ruling by intimidation. They were kind of, you know, mm. if you say anything about what we've done, we'll batter you, basically. Uh, and they decided because they saw it wasn't very effective because people hated them because of it. And the Richardsons yeah. at this moment in time, they were going, "We'll go the Robin Hood angle. So everything that we steal, mm. we give something back to the local community." And they particularly gave it to pensioners. They would give it to right. old people. Pensioners and nurses, that's who they were giving it to because the nurses ah. are looking after the old people. These need the money. So that meant that if the Richardsons did something and the police asked the local community, what have you been up to? The local community would say, didn't see anything because oh. they're getting the kit back. And this, yeah. this bank robber that we found, um, he, uh, we wanted to make the documentary about how he met his first wife because he'd mm. been working for the Richardsons and he'd been at, they used to throw big parties for the nurses and it was you know it was, it was kind of social thing and, and he saw this nurse that he quite liked at this party but he didn't have the guts to kind of go up and say hello to her and he remembered her and he regretted it because he didn't have the chance to you know put the moves on mm. about three months later he stood in a bank with a pair of tights over his head holding a sawn-off shotgun <laughs> while his mate is over the counter putting money into a bag because it's the 70s and money was just in a counter. And uh, he sees this nurse with her hands over her head on the floor and he's like, oh, that's that nurse that I like. So he goes over to the bank counter, gets a blank check and a pen and writes his phone number on the blank check, <laughs> goes over to the nurse, puts it in her hand 
and and that's how he met his first wife. What? She rang him. <laughs> she rang him afterwards. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's only way one way to go after that, isn't it? I mean, he was lucky she didn't grass him up. Well, that's that's the risk, isn't it? That's the risk. Yeah. You, I mean, the balls to do that. You're in the middle of a bank raid. You see that, and then you go. It's, you give her evidence, basically. And yeah. And she went, oh, no. He gave, it, he gave her his home phone number. <laughs> I've never heard of anything like this before in my life. He might as well just taken his tights off his, off his head and told yeah, everyone his it, name. <laughs> it was oh, a, man. Anyway, Sim- that, simpler times, more innocent times. That's what I was doing at university, chatting to him. Ah, wow. Um, do you know, it's funny. There's a few videos that keep popping up on social media and the, all the old gangsters talking about what they used to get up to and and it's even even what they did was horrible but the way they're telling it it just seems so almost like childlike you know it's like a real kind of like yeah we did what we did but you know it was all business it was what it was what it was whereas now gangsters yeah. it, just, it just seems awful it's just all out warfare and but I guess that's just that's just time isn't it that makes it seem more playful yeah. <laughs> maybe it's viewing it through rose tinted or maybe mm. there's maybe there's something in it was that those kind of London gangs did come from a genuine kind of working class background where although you're behaving in appalling ways ultimately you are kind of community minded in a weird sort of yeah fucked up kind of way it's, it's I know what you mean well you're sort of robbing mind you the, the craze were more bullying shopkeepers but yeah they seem yeah. to be like bank robbers it's like well that's not that's not your money that's the bank's money we're just going to have it do you know yeah, what I mean? and I'm saying that I'm yeah. saying that this is their ideology which is why they can look yes. back on it but also you, presumably if you're in that kind of you know criminal outfit you you feel very close to the people that you're close to so you're sort of you're thinking back to you know people that you that your family basically yeah that's true yeah I can see that it's funny when you meet these people or people that are you know in that kind of lifestyle they're a different breed you know like you know you might have thought that you've done something a little bit naughty but these people have been properly naughty <laughs> it's just yeah you know, when you meet someone like that you're like they have a different vibe where you go I would not want to be on the wrong side of you yeah you know? and, and and the kind of um, you know I, I think this about the, the, the guy that I knew that I interviewed for university he was um, he, he, he went from very gregarious and generous to very intimidating very quickly mm. uh, and he he seemed shot through with regret oh really he he knew that he'd I think one of the reasons that he was so focused on his own children which is the reason that he moved out of the game that he was in mm. was his feeling was I've really my life has been wasted but I can give it value by giving theirs value wow and, uh, yeah I don't. He, not a happy man no I mean that's it you don't get into that I mean, well, yeah, there are people that get into it because they like it, but majority of people, it's just circumstance, isn't it? They kind of just end up mm. in that environment. And, yeah, I'm glad 
Yeah, I knew people like that, but I never got involved. And um, there was there was someone I knew and I needed some money for rent or something. He went, I'll sort you out. I'm like, absolutely not. I don't need to owe you money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I know we're mates, but you'll have me up, upside down in a fucking barn somewhere. You know, I don't need <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I, n- I never knew people like that growing up, but because I was... Um, so I was at school, I was uh, the 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 uh, sort of SWAT boy of all the boys yeah. I was the, the the swatty one and that kind of deteriorated over time but it was it mm. was broadly true um but because I was funny uh I was friends of all the naughty kids uh yeah to the, right. point, to the point where teachers would say can you keep an eye on them for, for <laughs> us it's like no I'm not being a snitch for you yeah but, but that but that meant that I didn't like as a kid and I'm talking like you know um 13 14 15 16 I'd met a lot of drug dealers by that point yeah because all the kids I was hanging out with were doing drugs but they wouldn't let me do any because they were like <laughs> at 14 they're like no no Bennett you've you've got your whole life ahead of you I've already gone down this road <laughs> Yeah, it's not for you, babes. It's not for it's like you. A, you wanna... a child saying to another child, no, I've taken a wrong turn here, pal, but there's still a future for you. Yeah. There's no hope for me. I'm only 12, but there's no hope. <laughs> but I couldn't possibly recover. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Well, how'd you find it? So you've been doing comedy since you were 15. Yeah. And so have you, so when you, so when you left, did you go to uni? Did you do that? Yeah. So 18 left sixth form, uh, but I chose my, you, I, 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 uh, I, I did two lists of, mm. do I want to go to drama school or do I want to go to film school? And then I thought I cannot spend three years with the sort of people who go to drama school. So I went to, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's all a bit jazz hands, isn't it? 
Yeah, well, the the actual reason is I thought I'm already sort of performing, so I'm sort of developing that skill set on its own. But I'd like to learn the filmy mm. stuff, and I, I can't do that without support. And then basically chose all of my universities on the basis that they were in London because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to move to London and do comedy, um, which uh, at 18 I I, I did. Um, the film school was fairly intense, so I didn't really get to kind of apply myself until afterwards. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's how I got down to London. Basically, was was through uni. Ah, that's a good plan, though. You obviously had something about you that, you know, you sort of that you could work that out. I wouldn't have been able to work that out. I kind of just, I just sort of ricocheted through life. I was like, oh, I don't want to do school anymore. And then someone went, Oh, I've got a job at this removal place. Come and do that. I went, Yeah, fine. And just kind of just wandered off. And I've just kind of bing bonged my way up into being yeah. a comedian now. Well, I, I, no I definitely, I have had a very strong idea that I wanted to do writing and performing things. Mm. For I, I originally wanted to be a cartoonist because I was obsessed with cartoons and I used to draw all the time. Um, but then I sort of worked out that what I liked about the cartoons that I liked was the writing and the performances, really. Um, and yeah I, 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 for me it was just about getting down to London because yeah. I felt so stuck in my town because Shrewsbury is a very nice place and you know people people go there now and go they look at the high street and go oh this is a very you know posh little town and yeah you know, I mean it's lovely I would, I would yeah and I would say it most high streets in towns look nice and then there's a whole other town and then there's a whole other town you know 20 years ago um but uh, it was just about getting to london and it seemed the only way that i was going to be able to do that was to go to uni and build some connections at uni so that when i was out of university i would be able to kind of support mm. myself down in london yeah um but then, I, but then that's you know my thinking from my perspective. My teachers, because my grades were pretty good, they were trying to put me on the sort of Cambridge path, right? They're saying they're going, you could do this. And I was going, no, I want to go to film school. And uh, <laughs> boy, do I regret it. I was going to say, do you? Re- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, do you regret that now? <laughs> yeah. Listen, say what you like about those two universities. They open doors. <laughs> yeah, they do. I think. Um, there's a bit in Bob Mortimer's book about that. I think he got offered a place at Cambridge and then mm-hmm. just went, no, I don't want to, and just went to, I don't know where he went, but I can't remember where he went, but it wasn't Cambridge. <laughs> and his mum was so yeah. disappointed, you know, because he comes from, you know, comes from Middlesbrough, a very working class town, and he got a chance to go to Cambridge and he fucked it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he hasn't done him any harm. <laughs> no, no, it certainly hasn't, no. Because, um, yeah, so, when, when yeah, did... I, yeah. Because he, he would, I'm trying to think how old he would have been when um, Big Night Out started. Because he must have been early twenties when that. It would have been, yeah. He would have been mid to yeah, early to mid twenties, maybe. Um, but even then, I, you know, when I was younger, I loved comedy, but I never thought I'd be doing it. It never, I was never around anybody that kind of had those ideas, and I never thought I didn't have it in me to go. Well, if there isn't anyone around, just do it yourself never occurred mm. to me it's like you know being a musician it was like that's what other people did and then i always wanted to but i never really i always needed i would have needed someone to go go and do it i i never really had it in me to do it. it's like comedy i had it was other comics when i was working in, the, in a, as a bar barman 
and mm. they were going like go and do comedy you'll be able to do this you're really funny it took other people to say it so for you to be at that young age and going I'm going to fucking do it that's that's really impressive to me anyway I think that's it, that's great it is a bit is it, it is a bit odd because I was uh, incredibly nervous like child and teenager oh really quite shy I had a stutter did you really I had, a, I had an anxiety driven stutter yeah, right. um, do you think that's which, what another that's another place where the accent comes from is like focusing on what you're saying you know and enunciating oh, and yeah maybe actually do you know what I hadn't considered that but that might be yeah I do also I, I do tend to speak in a kind of slow and considered way and that is partly I think my brain's trying to form anxiety like an anxiety stutter is your kind of brain's trying to get too many ideas out at the same time right and, right. and you, it doesn't this sort of physical no doctor has ever spoken to me about this it's just my it's classic my parents kind of working class parenting is, is, is like you had a stutter but it disappeared so we stopped worrying about it um, <laughs> we kept an eye on it yeah so it was and I was incredibly just a ball of anxiety mm. um, so it was weird for me to but then my, my the way I said to my parents because you know to give my parents their, their credit um of which they are they are due a lot because um, mm. I was 15 and there there weren't any gigs in my hometown they had to drive me around the Midlands as a 15 oh, wow. year old and I would get to pubs that I wouldn't be allowed to go in through through the front door because that would be breaking a licensing thing but I could go in through the back through the kitchen because <laughs> it's sort of weird workaround to get around the licensing laws I think that's um, it if you can have you can have kids near food yeah, and they're allowed in the pub. <laughs> they're allowed in the upstairs room of the pub. Yeah, um, and uh, I, I, you know, latterly I've I said to my mother, I was like, it's a very unusual thing for you and my dad to do, and unusual sort of, you know, to drive a fifteen-year-old to Derby, mm. and and, and uh, you know, and then I because I, I was so desperately nervous, I wouldn't let my parents watch me, so they would they would go and get the big shop done. They'd find a massive like Tesco or Sainsbury's and go and get their weekly shop done, and then I'd do my gig, and then we'd drive all the way back. Wow. And I said, and I said, what? that was very unusual. And my mum said it was the first thing you were ever interested in. Ah, yeah, that's they interesting. Were, they were like, we weren't, we were a bit worried about you because we weren't worried about you because your grades were good and you read. And that was sort of for them. That was their sort of markers of he's he's going to be okay. And me and my sister both read a lot, and and they were like, okay, so they're they're you know they're absorbing information, they're they're learning. That's good. Mm. But he he doesn't appear to have any interests whatsoever, um, apart from drawing. Uh, but and then that kind of fell away. And I remember, you know, my I, I said to my mother once, you and dad very good at taking me and my sister to sort of you know um, castles and stuff and like uh, you know little science exhibitions so it's like you're very very upwardly mobile you know parents and sort of we're going to try and do that and my mum went we were just trying to find something that you were interested in it's like <laughs> ah. it's my, my sister Ashley they were like she had her face in a book we were, we were fine with her she, you know because my sister just read constantly for her whole life and uh 
she, my, yeah, my mum said, when you said, I'd like to do this, it was the first like self-motivated thing that you'd ever done, where he's like, I have an interest. And that interest yeah. is I want to get in front of people and do a thing. So they were kind of like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Let's take this sort of slightly nervous teenager and, and who has developed an interest and, and, and support it. So um, that's, yeah, that that's that's the only way I... This, I, I owe it all to them because you know I, I couldn't drive yeah. to Derby as a 15 year old they could <laughs> well you could have done you know there's a lot of people from Derby that used to drive at a young age without a license <laughs> I'm sure but it's the town I grew up in um, but it's I'm yeah I was I grew up I was very shy very shy so even now sometimes it sort of kicks in and I'm, it, I find it debilitating and I can't can't do the thing I need to do but for some reason I just have this I'm just drawn to being up on stage and making people laugh and it's not even attention that I'm seeking I'm after the I love the thrill of that laughter I, I'm addicted to that now when I and I feel when I do a gig and I get that first laugh I feel all my anxieties kind of like drift away I'm like ah there we are that's the good stuff you know I've I've got a bit I've, I, I was chatting to um, uh, previous guest on this show Shan Doxy the other day excellent yeah she was great and I, I she love is her. great um, a fabulous comedian and human being but yep. I was through chatting to her I, I've got a bit of a theory about this is that I, I, a lot of comedians are anxious people mm. and they are shy people and nervous people and I think one of the reasons that we we are drawn to doing comedy is Whenever they do uh, studies of um, how to live a happy life, all of those studies reach the same conclusion that the key to the study is live. Uh, the key to happiness is living in the moment, right? Enjoy yes. now. That's all these studies basically reach the same conclusion. And also, when they interview people who are nearing the end of their life, they're always the the biggest regret is I wish I lived in the moment more. And it's like that. That's 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 how to be happy. How to be happy is not a complicated question. We know what the answer is. Yeah. But if you if you're anxious, like myself or yourself, like I spend so much of my life worrying about the future and regretting the past, <laughs> and, I, yeah. and I, I and I just live in this constant. I need to do this. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. What standing on a stage makes you do is it makes you be present. Yeah. It makes you be there in the moment because there's a room full of people and they're all looking at you, Rich, and yeah. they're all looking at you because you've got to be funny, and you can only be funny by being present. You've got to make that connection, even if you've been, even if you're using, you know, your club twenty that you've done five hundred times. You've you've still got to be there, and you've still got to be in it. And yeah, I think that's, that's a great point. Yeah, I think that's why anxious people are drawn to to stand up specifically. Yeah, is it? Yeah, it forces you to be there, and it gets oh, you out man. of your own head. It gets you out of your own anxiety. That is it. That is why I like it. When I'm up there, I don't have to worry about things. I'm not worried about actual things that I need to sort out. That yeah, the, yeah. The, if I don't sort them out, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> if I'm up there, I'm like, oh yeah, give a shit. I don't give a fuck about any of that. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. That's excellent. Yeah. And then you start being 
present in having a good time because you know yes that's nice I like that then you then you start being playful if you're having a really good gig you know you're having a really good gig you got the audience and then you start improvising on top of a joke in a way that you've not done before you know you're doing a bit more of an act, yes. act out or you're you're pushing it that's really being present that's really being in it that I've had I've had those moments and you come off and you go fuck I didn't I don't even know what I said but you yeah know, I just realized I know that I've had a good time and everyone's going mad I'm like oh yeah and it's nice to reach that state but but I do I am riddled with self-doubt and and confidence issues a lot of the time but I'm, I don't know what's happened lately I'm kind of like ah fuck it what's the worst that can happen and I kind of talk myself out of it now as before I used to let it engulf me and yeah. I'd just be crippled I'd just be just be laying on the bed you know not getting out of bed until like 2pm and then it's very and then I'd be in that I, cycle of fuck I haven't done anything today and then I'd feel shit again yeah uh, yeah anxiety and I think and uh, you know I've had serious kind of depression on and off for mm. 20 years um, the kind of for me the kind of biggest sign that I'm in one of those sort of periods is just I'm not doing anything I'm just sort of stuck and kind of paralysed by it that's yeah. sort of the, the, the biggest thing I think is that kind of anxiety it just keeps you in one place I think sort of people sort of who aren't necessarily that anxious would think that anxious people would be kind of flighty or kind of you know um kind of uh, kind of oh what's happening oh kind of you know almost like panicked but in my experience anxiety is just being stopped yeah. just kind of hitting a wall and not being able to to do anything or get over uh, it yeah I think that's it I, and I used to be I used to worry like, is this ever going to go away and, and you know you're trying to do all you can to sort of get out of it and then I kind of there was a few times I just let it engulf me and just go just just let it happen you know just lay here and, and just, and just yeah. let it wash over you and hopefully that will just it will just kind of you know sort of disappear on its own I did that a few times and it works sometimes and then other times like alright it's three days now yeah you need to you yeah. Need to do something <laughs> yeah that kind of if you're able to acknowledge the kind of um place that you're in mentally and go okay I'm just going to ride through it mm. yeah may maybe sometimes for some people that's that that's useful yeah I think I always struggle with the thing that really screws me over is just not recognizing where I am kind of mentally if I if I if mm. I can recognize that I'm having a depressive episode I now have the kind of toolkit to moderate my behavior and behave in a way that's going to help me yeah uh, usually you know sometimes <laughs> I still slip into bad behaviors which in in you know my history with depression is largely getting drunk and behaving in odd ways um, yep same 
<laughs> but, you, but you get some good stories out of it. Um, this is no, yeah, no good story starts with you know. Like, also, I was having a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no good story starts with. So I was having my morning protein shake. And I knew, <laughs> yeah, I was just off to the gym, and <laughs> yeah, I just, just finished my Huel, and then a guy comes up to me. <laughs> it's always, um, it's always when I've gone fuck this, and I'm in the pub yeah. three p.m. And I'm like, I haven't got any money, but what I've got, I'm going to spunk it on this, and just, yeah. And then suddenly there be, there's always someone else that kind of rocks up. There's always a, it's, there's a, there's a magical time in a pub where like-minded individuals just appear together, and you end up talking <laughs> to whoever, and all manner of shit happens. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's a golden, golden period where strangers. I think that because it's during the day. It, it, I think it's what it is. It's that time as well, as well, because it's not. It's not eight thirty in the morning. So with you, when you're with you know proper alcoholics in a, in a Weatherspoons because it's three quid a pint, I think it's mm. a sort of three p.m. two three p.m. It's normally people that are either in our industry or they are they're they're also freelancers. They're maybe writers or wherever they are, but they've got that time. And at, all at once, we all kind of go, "I'm gonna go out and I'm gonna have a pint." This is bollocks, and we all kind of meet. So it's not complete despair and devastation but there's an anxiety yeah. or there's a there's a need to go for fuck's sake and we go yeah. out the pint and we all bump into each but other the, but then of course the, the what's the you know what's the best function of a pint is that it gets rid of some of your social anxiety you know that's yeah that that's that's why it becomes such an ad, ad, addictive thing is it's just you, you know you are less socially anxious two pints in it's yeah, just, God, it's yeah. just two pints is a sweet spot yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because of my age, but now, oh, it might be because my kidneys are fucked. I don't know what's happened, or my liver's just decided to give up. But I have a pint now, and I'm straight away, I'm like, whoa, the sweet spot comes along quicker. <laughs> oh, does it? Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, there might be an issue here. <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm still trying to balance out my drinking since the. I had a pretty good relationship with booze before the pandemic and then pandemic came along and then also the work coming after the pandemic to try mm. and get yourself back on track it's yep. exhausted all the time and the only way to relax is I'll have a glass of wine yeah and I, yeah I just and then yeah Christmas comes around and for in our in our business you're just working constantly from like mm. mid-November right up until Christmas, so yeah, I've I'm, I'm still still trying to recalibrate. I've got better, but I'm still possibly drinking a bit too much. <laughs> well, we don't. I've said this loads of times on here. We don't really drink at home, but every now and again, like my uh, my wife Kate will go like, just get a bottle of wine, and we'll have a bottle of red wine, watch a bit of telly, and that's yeah. acceptable. It's when you know it just seems if it's wine. It seems to be fine. It's like, oh yeah, you can have wine when you want. But if it's beer, you're like, I'm just gonna have a beer. You go, mate, it's half ten in the morning. You go, you're not at an airport now. You you're out in the real world. So yeah, you know, it's it's, beers it's later on. It's weird that little, uh, you know, that sort of. If you're having a couple of pints at home, people might go, "Oh, you're having a couple of pints at home on a Tuesday." But if you cook a nice meal and have a full bottle of wine between you and one other person, yes, yeah, like, completely fine. 
It's like, do you know how alcoholic wine is? It's just. <laughs> I know, I know. I read that it was in, uh, it was in Jack Kerouac's book on the road, and he was talking about um, Dean Moriarty, the, one of the characters. He was talking about his dad, and he was saying that his dad was a was a wine alcoholic, not a not a whiskey alcoholic. Which is, you know, a wine alcoholic is even worse. Yeah, because it's because like you say, it's so potent and it's so it's more socially acceptable to have. And it's and it's a particular it's a particular kind of drunk as well. Wine, I think. Yes, it's it's a it's a it's a different kind of drunk. Wine was the thing that I really went at hard in the pandemic. Was no, just, really? Uh, it just bottles of red wine. Uh, it yeah, because it it's it's. I, I, I don't even know how to put it, but it, it's it's so it's so fucking easy to drink, Rich. It's such, <laughs> Especially a good bottle of red. Yeah, and it's like, you know when you're having pints and it's a bit too much and you feel a bit yeah. like full or whatever. It's 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 not that. It's the wine you can drink when you're having a meal. Wine you can drink, you know, when you're just pottering about the flat. Wine you can drink if you're just having a shower. There's there's all sorts of <laughs> yeah. Although there's a there's an American comedian Kyle Kinane that I really like. He's got his whole bit about mm. different drinks for different parts of the house. You know, like so he's like, oh, so you're on the porch. Oh, have a have a whatever it is like this little you know like a have a cream mint mint thing or mint julep <coughs> when you're in the you're in the you're in the lounge like oh, i have a nice scotch you know you're in this place you're in the dining room have some wine he goes you're in the garage have a beer he goes but there isn't one for the bathroom and he's like you know so just have he goes i've been i have beers in the shower now it's like it's like a spa day <laughs> you know what i mean it's like yeah so if, if someone was to say like oh yeah i'm having a few beers or maybe some wine in my house oh that's fine I'm drinking beer in the in the shower. Ah, oh, you need to go and see someone. <laughs> but but apparently that's a thing. I I didn't realise that there is a thing having a beer in the shower or having a beer in the bath. Like having really a, having a hot shower and having a hot bath and having a cold beer. In in <laughs> apparently this is a thing, okay. which I wasn't because I don't drink beer. No. I wasn't ever aware of it. As a you know, I just when I'm in the shower, I just take in a couple of sambucas, you know, that's what <laughs> <laughs> just a couple of shots, take the edge off, just <laughs> a couple of whiskey chaser, that's... <laughs> just a couple of Jaeger bombs, just to, just to sort of set me up for the day. <laughs> I'm just having some of my regular yard of ale in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> I can you imagine that? Just all the water cascading down off of it. Off. <laughs> yeah, just coming down like that. Oh, lovely! Yeah, oh, that's got me stuck <laughs> all down your face. <laughs> oh, lovely! That's, that set me up for the afternoon. That, that's good. Uh, but are you are you all right now? Though you just you say you've tempered it a bit. You're drinking. You've calmed it down a bit. Yeah, I, I think it's just about um, you know I've got a couple of mates who are sober, mm. and um, it what they can't have is a relationship with alcohol. Uh, yeah because it just it never works for them and I think what I've got is a relationship with alcohol that sometimes is healthier and sometimes is is mm. not so healthy and yeah, same. so long as so long as you're consciously aware of it and you're consciously trying to put yourself on the right side of the line you know um, there's also you know related to our profession 
we work in pubs and yeah. bars and places that serve booze. Also, we come off stage, you know, half 10, 11 o'clock at night regularly. And then it's like, okay, go and, you know, get a normal night's sleep. It's 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 hard to do that without a drink. Yeah. And you should, you should do it without a drink, but you're not going to do it all the time without a drink. No. It's... it's it's um I think it's about the relationship I think yeah and it depends what gigs as well because there are some gigs where I won't drink there's a there's mm. a few where I'm like oh yeah I'm going to be in town yeah I'm going to have a drink tonight you know and I'll have and that's where mates will come and meet me as well they'll either come to the gig or they'll come down afterwards and we'll have a drink and so yeah yeah so it's not yeah I don't drink at every gig but there are some where I'm I, like I know I'm going to have a drink this weekend I'll tell you where I've, what I've got much better at is uh, if I've been out drinking with mates or, or you know gigging and then having a drink after I don't I don't really drink before I go on stage but if I'm done I'll have a drink um, uh, I've got very good at now instead of getting home and cracking open another bottle I'll have a cup of tea nice or I'll have a glass of water I, do I usually what? go yeah I usually go for tea because the kind of process of making it kind of focuses me and and uh, kind of it's more effort so therefore I'm less tempted to go oh I will have another bottle it just kind of yeah. steadies you well I think that I think because I'm like that and I think that comes from every time I've got back and gone yeah I'm going to have another drink I never finish it I'm like because mm. the, the, the the energy's gone the, the, the re, another reason why I was enjoying what I was doing is because of where I was and who I was with but now I'm home and I'm like, oh yeah, that's all sort of gone now. And it does change the taste of the wine. You kind of go, oh, this isn't, this isn't nice now. So having done that a few times and now, now I just get in and go, no, I've had a nice time. A cup of tea, some sleepy tea. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, yeah sleepy nice tea. bit of sleep, sleepy tea. And then I'll get in and my wife, oh, my wife's a very light sleeper. So with all the best will in the world I always end up sort of waking her up just by movement mm. in the flat and so I'll come in and then and she's always brilliant and then she just like right and then she puts a sleep story on you know like Nick Hoff, Nick Offerman or whoever and we just lay there and we go off and it's lovely and I never thought I'd say that I always oh. thought it'd be like full on party fucking yeah but no it's like <laughs> no nice sleepy tea and a nice little story yeah. it's lovely yeah you need both in your life. You need a bit of hedonism and you need a bit of, you know, relaxation. And that is exactly it's it. A, it's, a, it's a lovely picturesque image that you've conjured up there, Rich. There you go. We've, we've, what a way to finish. Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Alexander. Um, where can we find you? Have you got have things to plug? Are you doing shows and things? Uh, so you can find me at, at Alexi Bennett on Twitter, Alexander e. Bennett on Instagram, Alexander Bennett Comedian on Facebook. Um, I uh, I am doing the Edinburgh Fringe this year. I've got tickets to sell. Excellent. Uh, my, my show is called Alexander Bennett. I can't stand the man myself. Um, <laughs> which obviously I've called it because whenever anyone else says my show, it'll sound like they hate me. <laughs> um, and it's 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 a it's a show about self hatred and um, uh, men's mental health issues. Excellent. Um, but specific, but bes- specifically. A critical inner voice is what the show is about, yeah. Uh, and, and and how I've made 
decisions in in my recent life to uh, attack my critical inner voice head on. Um, it sounds great. So buy tickets for that when they go on sale. And I have a podcast called Born Yesterday uh, with the comedian Andy Barr, in which excellent. I com- love Andy Barr. Andy Barr is a very funny man. Very funny. Uh, man. Uh, and uh, the premise of Born Yesterday is that myself and Andy are clones of ourselves. And we only have learnt about three things in the day that we've been alive. And comedians have to come on and explain other things on the basis that we only understand three things. So the classic example is, okay, Rich, I only understand uh, Toy Story 3, what a cheesecake is, and um, uh, what a lawnmower is. Uh, And you've got two minutes to explain to me what the Second World War was. (laughs) <laughs> your time starts there. that's that's the podcast that sounds amazing that sounds and is that um, available everywhere it's available everywhere we've had lots of guests uh, big names and uh, we've got lots of stuff coming up excellent excellent nice one thank you so much for coming on this has been an absolute thank you very pleasure. much Steve for having me lovely to chat Rich absolutely lovely to chat thank you to everyone for listening we'll see you next time on Insane in the Membrane Insane in the Membrane Yes, my. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk. Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.